world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Real optimistic. I love it. The That's... more things change. <laughs> what what is the what is the full saying of that? The more, the more they stay the change, same. The more things stay the same. Is that is that it? It's not like a little twist or something. But the but the second mouse gets the cheese, Aldo. There you go. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, how's everybody been? It's been a while since we've chatted. Uh, what? I'm trying to think. A newborn baby. Wait a minute. Hold on. That wasn't me. Yeah. No. That. That's. <laughs> you guys had another one. <laughs> oh no! 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 <laughs> no! 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 <laughs> Shop is closed. No, we are. We are. <laughs> we are all done. We are very happy with uh, our three and. Um, no soup know, for you. you know childbirth is kind of this crazy wild thing to think back on Brittany and I were just talking about it tonight and we were like why would anybody do this twice um sometimes you don't have a choice (laughs) twins just (laughs) pop up (laughs) oh gosh no no it's there is that you, you guys don't have that hormone that has them forget about you know how physically painful childbirth is because for guys it's not physically painful um but i remember uh, my sister like holding her newborn and like telling someone i could do this again and it's like are you crazy are you kidding me but it's a thing yeah insane to me i'm like i was there it was it was unpleasant the whole yeah. thing it's just yeah. super scary but the, the little one at the end is very cute, right? Oh, yeah. No, as as hard as it is, like, it's also equally as great. I don't, I, I don't like people who are, like, constantly, like, eh, my kids. It's like, you, you chose to do, like, you don't get to whine and complain about, you know, this thing that you chose to do, you, you jerk, so. Um. Yeah. <sighs> but, um... Speaking of whining and complaining, do y'all want to talk about some comic books? Hey, hey. Hey. That's what comic book fans do. That's right. I said it. It is what comic book fans do. We are the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We are here to talk comics. We have a couple of curious stories. Uh, This is... These two stories don't go together, like, at all, right? No. I think we did that almost on purpose, didn't we? (laughs) A little bit, I think, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm Steven, and I've got uh, Aldo and John with me on the line. You guys having a good evening? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, on the line. (laughs) (laughs) It's, do we call it a line? (laughs) No, that's why I'm joking about it. What do we call it? Online. There's no the. Well, on the line is like for a phone call. Yeah. And this but, is almost a phone call. But we're on the internet, so we're just online. Because that is our statuses. Online. We are status online. 
Okay. Okay, so like the old podcast I used to have, or like not podcast, but like like because I wanted because I was inspired by uh by old favorite website Topless Robot. Um, oh gosh. I had I had I wanted I was trying to do the same thing with my friends where we like we would write stuff when we had a podcast, um, and it was called Bored Offline. Because the whole idea was that we were bored when we were offline. And that's why we were online. We just talked about Topless Robot, like, not that long ago, you and I. Last perverts. time we recorded, I think we hopped on, we stayed on for, like, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because I, I keep trying to say who's responsible for this to people, and nobody gets the reference <laughs> except for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, don't ask. I wasn't going to, don't worry. Um, Where do we want to start today? Uh, I can talk about our our curious selection of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah. You know what, that's that's where I would want to start, I think. Why don't we start with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is uh, part of Disney Kingdoms, I guess? I didn't know this was a, uh, I don't know, I don't know, (laughs) like a offshoot of like let's let's see if any of our rides have uh, good stories to them because you know pirates uh, worked out and I don't know I want Jungle Cruise to be good but I also <laughs> am a pessimist um, so Big Thunder Mountain Railroad tells the story of it's kind of it's kind of a straightforward western really um, Barnabas T. Bullion is the the rich man in town who runs the mine and he's you know, wants to, you know, get as much gold out of it as he can. And the foreman is named George Willikers. That's right, G. Willikers is the guy who <laughs> runs the mine. <laughs> I missed that. And uh, so Barnabas's daughter Abigail um, kind of is doesn't want to be the the proper Western lady, you know, wearing you know nice clothes, that kind of thing. She kind of has an itch for some adventure, so. She's uh, poking around at the mine trying to see what's going on. And um, she uh, runs into Chandler, who is a miner, who also is kind of a bandit trying to help the people in the mine um, because dangerous, odd things keep happening. Apparently, Big Thunder Mountain is literal. And every now and again, as they're they're, uh, excavating, when they make a big dig, then a big shockwave will come out and bright blue lightning will. causes some uh you know rock slides and cave-ins and that kind of thing and so um g willikers is still pushing for the mine to you know produce and you know them to dig deeper and at the cost of more and more miners lives but uh chandler and his buddies uh, dolfo and onawa um a uh, sharpshooting native american woman um who is also part of the bullion household but like that it it doesn't drop in until later. Like suddenly, like she has all this time to like, you know, try to shoot everybody that gives her the you know a sideways look. And she also is like the housemaid, which I thought was a full time gig, but I don't know. Maybe I'm rusty on my Western, uh, you know, uh, motif rules. But um, anyway, they uh, <laughs> Abigail joins these bandits to try to right some wrongs and. You know, she's mad at her dad for not doing what's right for the townsfolk. And, um, uh, G. Willikers, go, I, I, sorry, it's never not funny to keep saying that. Um, he just, he kind of goes mad with power and, um, 
Um, in the end here, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get to the last issue to see exactly how he dies in a mine shaft or falls down or explodes or what exactly happens. Sorry. Did they not get, like, pulled off of it by the Big Thunder Mountain? The mountain is a little bit sentient and uh, doesn't take kindly to people not... Uh, Would you say it doesn't take kindly to strangers around its parts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any strangers I'm, around my parts. I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even though, even though, apparently, they're just minor inconveniences. In the end, Mister Bullion sees that the people are in danger. Um, everything's caving in. He he says, "Remember, I'm a I'm a railroad man," and he, um, you know, makes the train go faster by, you know, his experience with uh, steam steam engines and. Uh, is able to get him most of the way, and then Abigail comes to with another train when theirs breaks down, and then, um, uh, yeah, they they uh, get out of the mine at the cost of the uh, gold. They cut the they leave the gold behind so that they can, you know, save the people. So um, the uh, the uh, rich old guy makes the right call in the end, which is you know so rare, so nice, and. Um, you know, uh, uh, of course, Chandler and Abigail uh, share a, share a kiss because you know they're like the only two characters in the story, and uh, yeah, it's a little. I don't know. It's just like it's like, well, here's the the main character, and she's she wants this adventurous life, and here's this dude who fancies himself a bandit, and then, well, of course. So, oh, hold on, sorry, as. One complaint that I had with this, so the the mountain literally fires up some like, you know, lightning energy to wrap around G Willikers. Oh man, the name! I can't, it's just so ridiculous every time. It's pretty ridiculous. The George Willikers leg and pulls him off, and as he's falling down, he fires off a shot from his rifle, and it shoots Anawa, who who has gotten the shaft, ah, mine shaft. Oh, she's gotten the shaft this whole story and ah. is pulled down and dies. Everyone else goes to safety, kind of simulating the uh, ride itself. If you you know have been on Thunder Mountain at Disney World or Disneyland, and um, in the end, um, Mr. Bullion decides maybe it's okay if his daughter is you know like a wild wild west kind of hero and um, Anawa's spirit is accepted by the mountain and taken home. And the uh, Thunder Mountain Railroad train is sucked into the mountain and just goes flying off. And woohoo! And that's that's pretty much it. Um, I thought this was going to be a stupid story. And I actually kind of enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. Um, I thought it was going to be like the... Um, whatever the, <laughs> the story we read that was like produced by... Um, Oh, like, I know you the healthcare. About. Like, what? What was that one we read? Yeah, like, Anthem Blue Cross. Yeah, the yeah Anthem Blue Cross story. I thought it was going to be City a, Under something, Siege. Yeah, something something real thin plot wise, where it was like this is this is not really about a comic book. This is more uh, about like you know yeah. visit our theme parks, <laughs> bring I money. Think, you know, I think the only sin, not sin. I think the only thing this thing does not great is. Uh, it's just be standard, but like, it, it wasn't. It also wasn't setting out to like change the world of Western comics and redefine a genre. Right. Uh, it was selling a ride. Right. So like, I can't really put that against it, but I will. 
I've, I've got some minor complaints. We huh. kind of already touched on it at the ending. Uh, minor complaints. <laughs> I'm going to say hi every time. <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm with you guys. I was surprised that this was kind of good. Yeah. Like, just kind of good, but kind of good. Yeah, I I think my, my I think the, like, I guess, I don't know, a legitimate complaint I have, which I don't know how legitimate it is because it's subjective. But I feel like it's a little too wordy. I feel, because I, I think in the second or third issue, I was really kind of skimming through a lot of the text. And I picked up on a lot, like pretty much the whole story. I picked up on it just fine. Granted, it's not a really complex story. So I picked up on pretty much like everything that was happening even while I was skimming through the story, granted, it's not like a super complex storyline, but I just, I, I don't know, when you can skim through a story, when you can skim through the text and still pick up on pretty much, like, all the important points, I feel like maybe you're just writing to write words and not necessarily yeah. writing to say something. Yeah, it the the simple plot did not warrant the amount of words they were using to describe it. Like... <laughs> I, yeah, it, um, yeah, it was pretty straightforward, but at the same time, I, yeah, it was better than I expected, so, um, you know, a bit wordy is not the worst ding that could have been, like, I just, I was not optimistic coming into this. Um, we should say, Dennis Hopeless was the writer, and I think we've read him before? Um, Ty Walker did the layouts, Guillermo... Magoran did finishes and inks. Jean-Francois Bellieu is the colorist, and I'm sorry I mispronounced that. Uh, VC's Joe Caramanga did the letters. Um, I wanted to point out in the uh, fifth issue, um, Marcio Takara and Esther Sands were the cover artists. Marcio Takara is someone I've followed on uh, Instagram for a long time, and they're really good. Um, um, I thought that, yeah, the, the art was pretty good. Yeah. I thought the art was really solid. Hopeless strikes me as a good writer. I know I, I his name is so familiar to me. I, I know that I've read something of his. I can't think of what it is. I'm just flipping through his Wikipedia page here. Um, he was the writer responsible for the Spider Woman story arc where Jessica Drew was pregnant. Apparently. Oh, oh also apparently he is no longer. Dennis Hopeless is a pen name, and he's no longer going by Hopeless. He's going by his actual last name of Hallam. Yeah. Okay. okay. It, was, I was, it was popping up both as both on this, so I, yeah. I, I was confused because you guys kept saying that, and when I was grabbing the information off of like the website and the wiki, it was coming up as as Hallam. So I was like, I, for like the last five minutes, I've been like furiously <laughs> like checking my sources, and I'd be like, oh no, did I do the research wrong? <laughs> So thanks for clearing that up. Uh, I'm just gonna put him in our. I'm gonna put him in our in our in our databases. Dennis Hopeless Hallam. Well, that's how he's getting credited a lot. Oh, he wrote uh, X Men Season One, which I believe I've read, but we didn't read that for the podcast. I don't think. Hmm. No, but I've wanted it to did. read some of those Season One books. Yeah, if I remember correctly, if this is because there were a lot of those like first year of X Men uh -huh. uh, retellings. If this is the one that I'm thinking of, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. No, I thought Abigail was a character I'd want to know more about. You know, it was kind of a like, ah, it's a, you know, fancy lady who, who you know, doesn't want that kind of life and wants to, like, you know, go ride the rails. And, you know, that that was kind of interesting. Um, 
but yeah, like good art throughout. Um, again, that was Ty Walker and, uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised, solid, solid story and made me miss, uh, you know, the ride. And I bet that if I got, went back and looked at it, there'd be little references. I know at one point you kind of go through on the ride, like a big rib cage and they reference like dinosaur bones in the, uh, mine shaft in this. So, um, I was I was yeah. gonna ask that if if you guys had been on this ride and if any of the stuff in the book seemed to I don't know align or reference the ride apart from the actual quote unquote ride at the end. It's been I mean, like three years, does. but yeah. Yeah, I had to. It's been a while since I've been on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and frankly, I don't love Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. The ride, it's it's fine, but like it's super basic for a roller coaster and. I mean, it's a Disney roller coaster. Most of them are pretty basic. But, uh, like, I don't know. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad's kind of low on my on my uh, list of, of fun Disney rides that I have to prioritize when I go to the park. Um, cool. I'll make it a note to skip it. So, half my family lives in Florida, and... It is, it is of the three mountains, Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain, it's kind of like the, the, you know, the lesser of the three, except as fun as Splash Mountain is, boy, you gotta remember that it's a real problematic movie, and they're replacing it, they're, they're no longer gonna have Song of the South connected to um, Splash Mountain, Splash Mountain's gonna connect, be connected to uh, uh, Princess and the Frog, which... Yes, because of all of those mountains that they got in Louisiana. Yep. <laughs> Maybe they'll rename it to just be like, you know, the Bayou Ride or something. Because, I mean, they do spend a lot of time in the Bayou in the movie. And they still have all yep. those animatronic frogs. Famously so. mountainous Bayou. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I really like Thunder Mountain. It's fun. And um, one time we wrote it when... Uh, like the fireworks show was going on, everyone stopped to watch the fireworks, and we we're like, "Ha, no lines! Let's get on Thunder Mountain!" <laughs> and like, came out of the tunnel right as the fireworks are going off. It's pretty cool. So I have fond memories of that. Um, I also, yeah, Disney roller coasters. It's more about like the experience and being like immersed in another world and storytelling. Except Rock and Roller Coaster, which is uh, like a roller coaster, and it's a lot of fun. Um, Space Mountain is, you know, a roller coaster. Uh, my favorite probably is Everest, Expedition Everest. Um, oh, that was you, really good. Yeah, you. it's like, you know, the Yeti comes after you. I love that one. Um, all, but um, I say I say favorite. Um, before my last trip, like, into the outside world, before lockdown, was to Disney World for the opening of Star Wars Land at Hollywood Studios. And did the... Uh, the st- like the the Millennium Falcon ride nine times, and got to do the uh, Rise of the Resistance ride twice. It was only like you got you had to get the park before it even opened, like get there at the crack of dawn, put your name on the list, and then you'd be you know you might get to go later in the day, because it was so popular and they could only accommodate so many people. But it was amazing, so highly recommend that. And it would it'll it'll change your mind about like no you know it's not really about like the rides or whatever cuz it's i think it's both a fun ride and like a completely immersive experience it's it's awesome yeah um that has nothing to do with comics i apologize but no, was, no you're, you're fine. really really um, cool <laughs> <laughs> granted they uh well i don't i don't want to say they it's it's easier because it's a western i feel like this is a difficult thing to accomplish with anything you do 
I appreciated that every character was distinct and unique. Yes. You cannot mistake G. Willikers for anybody. And <laughs> and I love that. Uh, granted, I think a lot of that comes from the art style that was chosen, but I think it's also up to the artist to make people or characters, you know, un- unique and interesting to look at. Like, I don't think there was a, ever a moment where I was where I wasn't sure who was who, even when like uh, what was her name, Anawa, was yeah. dressed as Anawa, as a Anawa, yeah, Anawa. yeah, when she was dressed as a servant, there was there was no confusion who that was. And I I don't know. I think that takes a certain amount of skill, and I, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it is interesting because like, sorry, I feel like I don't know this art team, but like, they're good. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see them work on something else. Yeah, I like, I like the the characters. They're stylistic and a little like on the scratchy side, but like not to a degree where it's you know illegible. Um, there, there's charm to the character designs. Abigail has great facial expressions. She looks like she's having fun throughout, and I love the the fun adventurous type of character. Adventurous, A D V E N T U R E S S. So, Lady Adventurers, love that. <laughs> um, and it's just funny to me because, like, this is good stuff, and I don't think I've ever heard of these people. Um, but yeah, I'm just like flipping through the last issue, and like every now and again, you'll get like because they're inside the mine. The background all tends to be very blue and dark, but the action gets accentuated with red backgrounds it's very very simple but really effectively done and it doesn't like overstay its welcome it doesn't it's not needlessly pretentious it doesn't draw attention to itself excessively it's like just good solid artwork good lettering um it was really easy to read and follow things i the complaints that i have are mostly with um a couple of the story beats at the end. Specifically, I don't love the way that the story treats Anawa and uh, Barnabas Bullion. I think that those two characters could have been handled differently, and in Onawa's case, better. But in general, like, surprisingly solid story. Yeah. I think Bullion could have... They could have made him like have have a harder time like turning from you know the the you know the rich villain of the story to nah I'll do the right thing in the end like there could have been you know steps to that where you know he had a harder time making that decision or like he he was worse but it was kind of like I don't know I was relieved that he wasn't the stereotypical like mustache twirling I'll tie you all to the train tracks that'll show you <laughs> And then Anawa, yeah. I think, needed more time. Like, we could have seen... You know, because we got very little of her, like, you know, at the house. Like, there could have been, you know, something between her and Abigail. Like, they, you know, both find out, wait, you're a bandit? You're a bandit? Oh, man. Like, there could have been a whole thing there. But, you know, five issues, you know, you're in and out. It's real quick. And, um, you know, for for putting together a comic about a ride at Disneyland, it's not bad. So, yeah. Um, the stuff with Anawa is, <sighs> I hate to get, like, real world dark in this, you know, discussion about a comic based on a Disney ride, but, um, 
did you see the news about like there was a, a school in Canada where they found like this mass grave of like children uh, that were native children that had been taken to the school and they died and they just like got buried. No. So, like, oh. Yeah. Um, I don't obviously know the details. Um, I've just seen a couple of people chatting about it. Um, but like this, it, this whole thing has kind of got me thinking that the Western genre is a difficult one to deal with in uh, contemporary times because the stories are kind of racist. Um, most cowboys were, in fact, like Mexican or, uh, you know, darker skinned. They're, they weren't overwhelmingly white. Um, the way that the Western expansion impacted the, the Native American tribes was, of course, kind of reprehensible. And Onawa's story in particular kind of touches on something that happened a lot, which was that um, these westward-pushing explorers and settlers took in a lot of Native American children and tried to quote-unquote civilize them. And I'm saying took in, that's kind of generous. In a lot of cases, they were kidnapped. And so, like, this story is touching on something that is very real and very sensitive, and it's not handling that aspect of the story super well. And again, it's not trying to. It's definitely hearkening back to these sorts of, you know... John Wayne era, good guy, white hat, black hat, western sort of thing, um, with just a little hint of subversion in that the main character is this happy-go-lucky adventuring female, um, which is fine for what it is, but I don't know. It, it feels like bringing up all of this baggage about uh, Onawa... And, and the tragedy that was in her backstory and how she's now tr kind of getting forced into this mold that she doesn't necessarily want to be in. Like, if you're not going to deal with that, then don't deal with it. Don't bring it up. That, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I don't know that that's necessarily enough to tank the story for me, but it did leave a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. I, I didn't want to bring that up because I don't know a whole lot about, I guess, you know, the culture of, of the Native Americans in, in the West, specifically in the West. I know quite, for some reason, I could I know quite a bit from, like, the Native or oh, Indigenous people of the East part of the United States. Um, so, so I didn't really want to comment on it because I don't know, kind of like, I know it, it, stuff about it kind of feels wrong, but that's because it's a Western. So, like, I don't know, that's kind of an alarm that goes off in my head. But I didn't really know any specifics, so I don't know. Thanks. Thanks for, like, kind of educating on that. I appreciate that. I don't... I, there's definitely more to be learned. Yes. And I, in particular, feel like I should be learning more about this. Because when I talk about how, like, uh, the settlers in the western United States were taking in Native American children and trying to raise them... There's some of that in my family history, and I don't know the details of it, and I'm kind of concerned to go back and look at it in more detail, because I'm pretty uh -huh. sure it's not going to cast my ancestors in a very flattering light. But I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> so, yikes. Oh, and as far as, as uh, 
Daddy Bullion goes, I am just not in a headspace where I want to see the rich uh, villain redeemed. I'm I'm all about <laughs> millionaires right now. I <laughs> eat the rich. Uh, uh, Daddy Bullion. Daddy Bullion does not play. He does not pay any taxes whatsoever. So. No. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think my problem with with the book, kind uh, of thinking about it now that we're talking about it, is I. I don't like how quickly ca- the characters are kind of redeemed. Spe- like you know, we mentioned Anawa and we talked about uh, that the the father. I don't want to call him Daddy Buyon because that sounds like a weird food fetish thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or like the the gold prospecting pimp or something. Yeah, because like yeah, because I mean, I mean, his his redemption comes pretty quick, right? Like everybody kind of turns on him. As, as kind of they should, and he's just like, I can get us out of here. This train, look, I'm not such a bad guy, but also like an always thing kind of feels like she really went to the dark side real fast at the end because like the story needed it. Like I f- like I almost felt like the team was like, oh no, we've been dawdling a little too long. We gotta get her to the dark side real fast, and then immediately like the next issue, it's like, oh hey no, but she's she was good. That that redemption came back real fast. Like that, that, those character turns felt a little last minute ish. Yeah, and I'm going to chalk that up to being a uh, to the story series. being a five issue series. Yeah, specifically, yep. like maybe one more issue to delve into some of the backstories. We get nothing really about Dolfo. Yeah. The, the, oh the yeah, bandit. Yeah, he, there's he another there's dies, another guy. doesn't he? No, he does he? Die. I don't think he does. I don't think so. No, no, that's right. He's okay. Comes out of it fine, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't... I think he disappears, like, after a certain point. He's just out of the story. Like, I'm I'm sorry, I'm flipping through issue five again. I don't think he's in issue five. Yeah, that's why I went to issue four. Sorry, my app is, like, just being slow. Um, He makes, like... He makes, like, one comment to Anawa to, like, calm her down. And he like drops in some Spanish, and then and then he's and then he's gone. Like he's just like. Was he supposed to be Mexican? I think he was. Did I miss that I because so. I skimmed it? Or did, I, <laughs> or did I? Or did I miss that because it wasn't well laid out? <laughs> no, I do think he was supposed to be Mexican. Yeah. Because he says, "I'm just I'm just trying to get to where he." I think it's issue three. I got to go back now. Um. He says something to Anawa, I'm trying to get to it, where he, like, is trying to calm her down, you know, and he's, like, talking about his, like, he either says, like, his abuela or so. I, I forget what, exactly how it comes out. Oh, like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, that's he's, right. He's supposed, to, he's supposed to be, like, from Mexico, I would guess, with the Old West, you know, theme and everything. Um, and I feel like now we're at the point where we're, like, picking at it, but at the same time, people talk about uh, the movie The Searchers with John Wayne, and it's a John, I think it's a John Ford movie. Um or, uh, let me see. Now I gotta go back. Um, and it's about, you know, this, um, John Wayne has to go, or, jo- yeah, John Ford movie. John Wayne has to go rescue his niece who's been uh, kidnapped by the Comanches. And, you know, it's this whole ordeal. And I think, like, one of the people who goes out on this, like, search, like, takes forever. And either they, they don't find her and, like, somebody dies or they find her, but she's kind of adopted, like, the native way of life at that point because she's been living with a Comanche tribe for so long. And they are just, like, pissed at her. Like, how dare you, you know, join this native tribe and, like, you know, turn your back on your race and it's all this. I'm like, 
this is supposed to be like you know a tentpole of the western genre and like boy it's like i don't i don't like how like they like turn on her like that it's just really you know Yeah. yeah maybe i mean maybe in like maybe i need to see it again and see like what it's about that it's you know more about like the struggle against you know the challenges of like the western world or whatever but um it kind of felt like you know oh how dare you be you know you know native or what i don't don't, yeah anyway so yeah western like you said steven there are some you know problematic things now the other the other hand if you if you tell a samurai story with with a western theme you know uh then i think that works you know where it's like gunfighter comes to town saves the town you know <laughs> no Aldo has 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 thoughts I, on that topic <laughs> i was gonna say you might want to look at the archetypes that are being played off in uh <laughs> in the magnificent seven because i love that movie but boy do i feel attacked <laughs> oh huh, huh. I was thinking, <laughs> no, not that. Were you one. not talking about the Magnificent Seven? I love that movie. No, but. <laughs> no. I was thinking um, of of nothing that is uh, anti-Mexican. Let me let me just get this shovel and keep digging here. Uh, oh God. It's not your fault. It's Western movies. I threw, I, I threw out a. Ooh, I threw out an example before remembering uh, uh, the problematic. No, I. Oh. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in the West is pretty cool. Big Good and the Bad and the Ugly is pretty cool. I don't know if those are necessarily like, you know, samurai-esque as well. Look, what I'm saying is we should all go watch The Mandalorian and be nicer to native folk. <laughs> I, b- I, believe, I believe the proper term for that is indigenous. Uh, let's start again. What I'm trying to say <laughs> is that we should all go... <laughs> I have oh, I have not slept well, and so any <laughs> slips is not. I promise it is not out of ignorance or apathy. It is of uh, sleep deprivation, and uh, yeah, I. Buddy, the, I sympathize, man. Yeah. Is it? Isn't there? Isn't there? There's another phrase for indigenous people. Uh, I remember it sounding cool. First Nations. Thank you. First Nation. I, I, I mean, that's specifically for America. Yeah. Um, oh, the first people. Because the term indigenous is used, I think, worldwide mm-hmm. and not always necessarily super appropriate. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know enough people from from uh, that community to really say what the appropriate vernacular is. Yeah. I just, um, I just remember that first people sounds cool. <laughs> well. I, because they're number one. There you go. <laughs> oh no! Stop it! <laughs> oh man. Um, do we have anything else to say about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? Because we've really gone off topic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of have to agree with John. I feel like we were kind of. I feel like we started out like lukewarm, like pretty warm on it, and then like the more we kept talking about it, the more we like. I, and that's not this story. I think that's the the Western genre, you know. And yeah, uh, this this was you know, um, this was surprisingly good. And yeah. just remember to be nice to um, yeah, people of first from the First Nations. There you go. How about that? There, there you, you go. can just yeah. drop that in because 
Yeah. As the straight white guy, I'm the villain in all of the stories. <laughs> you know what? You know what, John? What's important is that you're trying. I really, I really don't want to make anyone mad, and I don't <laughs> dislike anybody except Nazis. And uh... <laughs> hey, should we talk about absolute anything carnage? else? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about absolute carnage. Although, yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, absolute carnage, and I wish I wish I had done more research uh, on this, but I'm winging it. <laughs> absolute carnage is a is a is a mini event series, or is it just an event? I get, I don't know. It's a, it's a sort of event. It's a lead up to the much bigger event, but uh, it is the event called Absolute Carnage. There are uh, like a kerjillion issues that are a part of this but we only read the five core issues which were uh written by donny cates with art by ryan stegman and i believe the last issue had pencils by mark bagley uh yep we also have inks by jp meyer colors by frank martin jr and letters by clinton cowles so yeah, Mark. Uh, yeah, in the last issue when they do the the little flashbacks between um, Cletus Cassidy and Eddie Brock meeting for the first time, those are done by Bagley. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That I, I see it now. This is I follow Ryan Stegman. Oh, sorry, he's uh, his current Twitter handle Ryan Venom Boy Stegman, and S is spelled with a uh, dollar sign. But uh, he posts. He he's pretty regular on Twitter at posting like you know cool art and stuff. I really yeah. like his stuff. So Dollar Tegman, so okay. Dollar Tegman, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always happy when it's like, hey, this is an artist that I know. It's not just you know like someone I'm learning about for the first time. Yeah. I I've read a couple books that he's done art in, and I don't, but I don't think I follow him on social media. So when I saw his art, I was like, oh hey, but he's changed quite a bit in like the few, in like the in like the time I've I've followed his work. Uh, but we'll talk about that after. And uh, anyway, anyway, so Absolute Carnage, uh, boy, there's a lot that leads up to this, but we basically pick up with Eddie Brock, who has been separated from the. Venom symbiote suit for seemingly a, a small while. He's traveling in New York with his son, which we didn't know. I didn't know he had a son. Uh, his son doesn't know he has a son because he thinks he's Eddie's brother. So he calls him Eddie. He doesn't call him Pop. And... <laughs> Sup, Papa Venom? <laughs> G-Pop? Sup, Papa Venom? Has to like... be the episode title. <laughs> I like V-Pop, because it's Venom. Oh, man. <laughs> Papa V. Symbiote-Pop. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm tangenting. Uh, so, uh, so, something's going on. Uh, Carnage, I, I say that every recap, something's going on, and it's never specific. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but Carnage is collecting the codexes, which are like the DNA codices. imprint. Oh, co- codices. That's the yeah. plural for it. Thank you. Yeah, because Eddie corrected um, Peter Parker. And I was like, oh, someone out nerded Peter Parker. And I guess I was like, oh, yeah, he's a he's more of a writer because he's, you know, a journalist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, really, really swole journalist. I just want to point that yeah. out. Yeah, he's the <laughs> buffest journalist. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, uh, Carnage collecting codices, the codices, codices, I say, um, because he's trying the card ices. Yes, <laughs> card ices. Because <laughs> he's trying to collect enough of these, because somehow that'll wake up Noel, who is the god of black or the king of black, who is a god. Who existed before anything else he was the blackness of the universe uh and the symbiote planet is not a planet it is a cage created by his own creations to keep him locked up i think i recapped the first uh the first three squares of the first issue no kidding this is a hefty <laughs> book <laughs> yeah the first book specifically it's it's like a, like a bigger sized issue yeah but so it picks up with that. Uh, Eddie gets attacked by Carnage, and Venom finds him, helps protect him, and they go seek out help from Spider-Man. Uh, they, there's a couple encounters with with Carnage along the way, but I mean, the short of it is essentially they have to find more people that have had the the symbiote attached to them. So, which even Peter Parker makes a joke that that's been that's uh, that's a big list. So they end up having to find uh, Mac Gargan, who is the Scorpion, who was he was him at one point. Um, Wolverine, Captain America, the Thing, which I didn't know about. Uh, Hawkeye is there, I think, as well. So, so they, so they're trying to find all these guys so they can get the the codex removed from each of them. And they do this by getting the help of the Maker, who is the Ultimates version of Reed Richards, who, because of the whole multiverse thing, uh, now exists in this universe. I lost it when he showed up. I did not expect to see him. Oh, really? I did. Yeah. I actually, I, that was one of the few instances where I was like, watch, it's going to be this guy. <laughs> oh, man. Good on you, Aldo, because I was like, the Maker, is that like one of the lesser like sinister six guys i think i was confusing him with somebody else i um and then he showed yeah. up and i was like oh crap because yeah i really like okay i'm not gonna say i really like the the maker i i like the concept of it because it's reed richards from another universe where he kind of went full bad guy mask uh, off reed richards yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so so especially when he was in the secret war stuff and when he was uh, just kind of popping up. He's kind of reformed himself. He's a bit of a, a good guy now. Or he's morally ambiguous. Uh, so so like that's his thing now. He's not necessarily a bad guy because he's kind of figured out. Or not figured out, but he's kind of realized that right, uh, 616 Reed Richards will somehow always beat him and he thinks that's crap. Uh, so he just he's, he feels like, cool, well, I guess I'll just stay out of his way. So the maker makes this machine. Uh, that helps extract the codex from an individual, and they want to. He wants to test it on like one of the kids, because they're hanging out with uh, Eddie's kid and Norman Osborn's grandchild named Normie, which is that was... the worst name. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Yeah. So so they go. They find all these. Uh, they find their heroes, and they find my my guardian. They uh, accidentally throw Miles Morales to the wolves, and he becomes a, a carnage. Offspring, uh, Carnage then finds them, tricks them. Yeah, I think he disguises himself as Eddie. There's like a big fight. Uh, Eddie refuses to kill because 
I think Spider-Man's rubbing off on him a little bit, and also he has a kid, so he can't just like go into stuff. So uh, the symbiote leaves him and goes for Bruce Banner and hulks out as as a symbiote or as a, as a Venom Hulk. Uh, so while he's Venomless, uh, he decides he's gonna ask Spider-Man to protect the kids, uh, specifically his son, but also the other one because might as well he's there. Um, and uh, and he's gonna go out and you know be a hero. He's gonna protect uh, the heroes who are in the process of getting their stuff extracted. And while he's doing this, uh, Venom Hulk uh, gets his butt kicked, and he absorbs yet another Codex into his system, and absorbs uh, Eddie's symbiote, uh, the kind of I guess the original Venom. He absorbs him as well. So Eddie kind of senses that. There are, because he still has his codex, uh, he kind of senses that there are other symbiotes somewhere in this facility after the process is done. And he finds out that, you know, the maker kind of had another plan. So he, it wasn't getting rid of the, of the codexes. It was trans, it was removing them and it was going to take them somewhere else. Uh, so he kind of breaks that machine uh, and reclaims, or not reclaims, but takes all these other Venoms and kind of gets the memories of their hosts. So, like, he learns about... I don't know that he learns, but he kind of gets a little bit of extra strength from Captain America's memories, Wolverine's rage, you know, so on and so forth. And kind of using that, he fights uh, Carnage, uh, which I think is... I think his name is Dark Carnage, technically... Um, I don't know why I felt that was important to bring up, but for some reason I that stuck in my head. <laughs> so yeah, so so he kills him, uh, or he's about to kill him, and he tells him, "Listen, I listen. You have enough of these codexes, of these codices, and I only need one more. Uh, so like, listen, either either I kill your son, and I am in charge of you know the I get these god powers and whatever. He's like, or you kill me, and you're the reason uh, Null is the one who comes and destroys Earth. And he kind of takes his chances. He's like, I'd rather save my kid uh, and, and bring about the end of the Earth. And so he kills him. And because of that, because he absorbs his symbiote back into himself and you know the other codices, uh, he awakens Null. And the book ends with Null breaking out of his space planet prison. And his son asking him, uh, "Hey, did you just did you say I'm your son?" In a real awkward <laughs> post, little awkward, yeah, a little no. awkward post credits style scene. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's the book. I think I don't think I missed anything major. That was a that was a sweet summary. Yeah, that was like there, there was, was a lot really that was impressive. going on in this one. There, okay, yeah. there was a lot, but uh, surprisingly enough, for the number of things going on, it was pretty straightforward. I was actually pretty impressed at how focused the core issues of this series of this event are um, yeah and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like in other events where we only read the the core issues right it didn't feel like we were missing out on the good stuff i think that everything else would have been nice uh especially like you know seeing what happened to miles morales because that that was where i was really like i i loved this i thought this was great that was where it like really got the hooks in me and i was like how dare you Try to get get Miles Morales like what that no no get off Carnage sucks get out of here <laughs> yeah 
so so a couple of the things I want to bring up. Uh, one, I like the writing. I thought the the writing was uh, okay. It's gonna sound like an insult because the writing did not feel like it was next level evolution of comics, but it was super solid. Um, there was a lot of information, yeah. but I don't feel like a unlike Big Thunder Mountain <laughs> Railroad. I don't feel like there was ever a moment where the text I was reading was just kind of there. Um, I feel like when I, if I did try to skim it, uh, I was losing important information. But uh, but yeah, also I really like the art. I I feel like Ryan Stegman's art changes like every three or four years, because depending on like when I look at his art, I don't recognize it until I until I realize it's him, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that does that does feel like his. That's that's good, I think, because that means that he's still evolving as an artist or able to, you know, incorporate different techniques and styles as he goes. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. I really liked this. I thought um, there were some really striking uh, panels, you know, like Hulk getting getting uh, the symbiote taking over the Hulk was impressive. Um, a lot of the shots of carnage were cool where it's like he's he was like you know a skeleton where you could see like his rib cage and his spinal his um you know spine um spine i was like spinal cord no <laughs> spinal column no what's that thing called where the, the spine spine yeah a spinal spine um and uh i i kind of felt like this was like as close to a batman comic as we've read tonally yeah, I don't know if you guys got that vibe. Not that anyone was like it was just kind of dark and like, you know, we were following along with Venom, but then there were other like familiar Marvel heroes, but none of them like you know, he, we saw Spider Man with through a Venom lens, and the best that you know they they begrudgingly have to work together, and you know Venom is annoyed with him because he's Spider Man. Um, and so it was interesting to see, you know, have him be, you know, our, our narrator and our viewpoint. Uh, I really liked it. I liked the writing and the art and, and thought this was really cool. Because it, it was it was almost like what uh, Maximum Carnage should have been. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Because Maximum Carnage yeah. was rough. It was not great. And this was really entertaining this and really well polished. done. Yeah. Which, which by, by contrast, uh, you know, Maximum Venom... Uh, Maximum Carnage, uh, that one felt rough. Like it really, like like the, like you could have had something really good, but the execution on it was rough. This felt really polished. It felt really it's, well thought it's, out. It's like Maximum Carnage. You know, Carnage is a serial killer. He he's this crazy axe murderer. Uh, just wants people to be dead all around him. Just just nothing but dead people. Um, and Maximum Carnage tried to turn him from this very physical threat, this horror villain, you know, mm-hmm. slasher movie villain, into this more moral, uh, philosophical threat. Like, he makes other people evil, which didn't sit well with me. Like, I don't think it worked in Maximum Carnage. Mm-hmm. But Absolute Carnage kind of demonstrates that if you have an idea, or if you have a bad idea... That doesn't mean it can't eventually be a good idea, yeah. right? I, I was I was gonna say I think for me one of the things, one of my complaints about Carnage for the longest time, and it kind of goes on to what John was saying about how this felt like a Batman book. 
is the re- Carnage to me has always really felt like one half of the Joker. Yes. And, and Norman Osborn has has always felt like the other half. And uh, so so to have like I don't know to just have like the serial killer thing like kind of be the thing to me that I don't know that doesn't feel like Spider Man most of the time. But I think here, like you know, like Stephen, like you mentioned, I think here it just works really well. Yeah, I think seeing some of the images of Null, where he has like a big toothy, like fang mouth or whatever, felt kind of jokery. Cletus Cassidy is a little jokery with, you know, his hairstyle and mm-hmm. his like, you know, this evil grin that he has. I felt like having Norman Osborn, Cletus, like with thinking he was Cletus Cassidy, and Cletus Cassidy was like, well, like. Why are we? Why do we have both of them at the same time? Like I get that you know ties in, um, you know Peter Parker a bit more, but it was like, well, we have two carnages. I mean, we have a whole army of carnages, but we have two like prime <laughs> we have carnages. Two Cletuses. Yeah, we have two Cletuses, and <laughs> this is a one Cletus limit. <laughs> Not every carnage is a Cletus, but every Cletus is a carnage. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> more Cletus, more problems. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried. It's fine. You you tried. <laughs> yeah. So like so so yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I think one of the other things that because okay so there's like a lot of stuff that happens prior to this and after this. This is like just a, like a pit stop in this big yeah. null storyline because I think that just wrapped up like not too long ago. I think maybe a two or three months ago that finally wrapped up. That may even still be going. No, I think it's wrapped up. Is it? it? It is wrapped yeah. up because they're doing the Heroes Reborn storyline where, where Peter Parker is just uh, Jimmy Jimmy from Superman. and Oh, Jimmy Olsen? Jimmy Olsen. And he's and he's uh, he's good friends with, uh, I think it's the Sentry, who is the New York equivalent of Superman. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But huh. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so prior to this was the stuff with Flash Thompson being... Not a not, not a mercenary, but he was just like military venom. Yeah. Uh, so there yeah. was that agent venom. I like agent. That. Yeah, agent venom, and then he goes into space with the Guardians of the Galaxy, where he finds the the symbiote homeworld, where he finds out that they're actually like peaceful, and they're part of their mission is to you know get hosts and get that knowledge, and then take it back to the homeworld and bring it back to the hive, and so forth and so forth. Uh, something happened. After that, that I don't know what the shift was, but then we found out it, that they're not peaceful by nature. They kind of became peaceful at some point, and and that their planet is a prison for Null, the King of Black. And then everything after that was kind of leading up to this whole King of Black thing. We had like this uh, absolute carnage. Um, there's like a lot of stuff happening after this, and then the big event of the King of Black, which. Again, to John's point in that this feels like a Batman story, a lot of that... I haven't read all of it, or really much of it, just a lot going by like people's reactions and summaries of the story. It really feels like Marvel's version of the the Dark Knight's metal stuff. Oh, mm. interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but... Yeah, it, it yeah. really... I can see that. Yeah, especially like reading this. Like, this really does feel a lot like, like this... Like, the tone of this, the kind of story beats happening, it really feels like this could slide... Like, you could take the general premise here and slide it straight to the Dark Knight's Metal stuff. 
Um, Which I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. That's just no, I was no, it surprised because we hadn't really had yeah, we haven't really had that tone in a Marvel comic before. I think even reading you know some Daredevil stories and Moon Knight, you know, which uh, on the surface kind of fits that same role of you know vigilante at night, you know, who wails yeah. on people. And and part of the reason why I like the Dark Knight Metals. Uh, metal story is because it has such a very specific like tone i don't want to keep saying vibe because i'm not i'm not a 14 year old on tiktok uh, <laughs> but but it has a very specific feeling to it right because like, you have like this magic like this magic stuff like an action and it's obviously a play on the thing but it does feel like a hit like like the big action moments feel like covers to to a metal to a heavy metal album and you have, like, this whole superhero thing. Like, there's just a lot of things that happen. I don't think you could get that same type of tone from, like, almost any other medium. I think specifically because it's a, it's a superhero comic book, you get such a very specific feeling. And and I feel like, like, uh, like Marvel really felt like that's something they wanted to try. Not necessarily they wanted to rip it off. But I think that they, like... They looked at this, they liked it, and they were just like, can we do something like that? And I think what they did, so far, as much as I've read, seems to match. Like, they kind of nailed that tone. Agreed. Um, Yeah, I didn't see the Dark Knight's uh, heavy metal comparison. Um, But it totally makes sense to me, because it's taking these older stories and ramping up the comic book craziness to them. Venom is no longer just like an alien uh, parasite, but he's actually like a harbinger of this dark god. That very much feels like that it could come from the same playbook as the Batman who laughs. Um, But yeah, and it's so grim dark too. Like Carnage is just like so over the top as a as a villain, right? Yeah, um, just straight up evil. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of fits with the whole uh, Talk- Dark Knight's metal thing too, yeah. right? Talk- talking about and yeah, it's it's, Talk- it's never so dark that it is a downer. It's fun. Yeah, like I can't get over how fun this book actually was. Yeah, and especially some of the stuff with Noel looks like it's super over the top. Like you know he's. You know, real edge lordy, the king of black and whatever, but like he's still riding like a giant symbiote dragon, and like that's cool. That's a metal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that was something else I was gonna say, I totally spaced it. <laughs> Anytime you can hear Zeppelin playing as you read a comic book, you're like, yes. Yeah, they're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, so like that's one of the things, right? Like, oh yeah, especially because you're talking about how grim dark it, it it all is. I and I don't think especially in Marvel I don't think you get much more grim dark than, than dark carnage because oh that's why it was a distinction to me because when I when I was looking up the information for this or a little bit of this uh, information, I they they tell us at the beginning of the book that that's not Cletus Cassidy, Cletus Cassidy is dead, that's yeah. just the carnage symbiote, and uh, yeah and, and so he's just piloting Cletus Cassidy's corpse i believe like that's just his decayed corpse that he's carrying around that gives him his shape that 
Okay, and that like, makes more sense why when he pulls back the symbiote and you see his face, it's like more skull than not. Yes. That's, oh man, that's and like that's, layer of metal. That's pretty grim dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so, so there's stuff like that that's like, I, I don't know, that's, you know, it's it's dark and it's, you know, probably a little bit more violent than you'd expect from a Spider-Man comic, but like, like you well, said, it never, it never comic, gets, that's... it never gets like, uh, you know, sad. Yeah. No, I think that they know, they know what kind of story they're trying to tell and they don't get too carried away with it. Um, mm-hmm. But we still get these pretty cool moments. They're, they're, like, seriously, there are like a lot of really great panels, you know, where we're getting, um, <laughs> you know, like a, a whole host of, of, you know, Carnage symbiotes emerge and it's like, ah, crap, you know, and like we get, you know, Old old man, uh, fl- uh, old man uh, Eddie Brock. Like I, I just couldn't believe that he was like in a beard. Like every other time mm-hmm. I've seen him, he was like you know this big, kind of muscly, you know, kind of dopey looking guy. Where he's you know he's just mad at Spider Man. And this one he was like, I gotta be a good dad. I gotta get my symbiote <laughs> to help me be a good dad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Grabbing the third rail that was really cool. <laughs> like that was a, oh, yeah. a cool fight where because the whole time until he absorbs all of the symbiotes that the maker's been putting together, he's like, he, he's just fighting to survive the whole time. And there's not like a sneaky, like, you know, like, uh, we'll get him with this, you know, like he's got to, he's got to, you know, just barely escape with his life and like could have died with the third rail. And I like how, uh, the symbiote talks to him. It's just like, Eddie, 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 <laughs> like, you know, we're hosed here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the more I think about this book, the more I'm really like sold on it, and yeah. the more like I like it and want to read King in Black. I th- I think what helps the book stay, I don't I don't know if grounded the, is the right word, but maybe it is. I think it almost certainly is not. <laughs> uh, okay, well hold, hold on, let, let me let me keep talking, and you might agree with me. I think what helps keep maybe sane. I don't I don't know. We'll, we'll figure this out together. This is a this is a group experiment. Is is the fact that Spider-Man is still in here. And Spider-Man is not the one going through his edgy, grim phase. Like, he's still Spider-Man and he's... You know, that's there's no change to who he is. So the fact no, that you it's have, It's no like, Craven's last hunt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that helps kind of offset a lot of kind of the dark overtones in this book. I think specifically for me, like, one of the standout moments is that... Is when Spider-Man's talking about how he's all about responsibility. That's kind of his shtick. And he's like, I'm the reason the, the the symbiotes are here on Earth. And, like, all this spiraled because of me and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Venom kind of whispers to Eddie inside their heads. And he's like, he's like, tell them, tell them that we've been here from, like, the medieval ages. Tell them we've been here <laughs> all this whole time. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You should help. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some really good moments like that. I, I, and I think those kind of help offset, like, those darker moments. Uh Oh, yeah. Spider-Man, like, you know, fighting the crooks in the co- in the coffee shop, oh, you know, yeah. and, like, still planning with Eddie, and the crowd is just watching him just wail, and Eddie's just, like, standing there, like, uh-huh, yeah, then where are we gonna go? Okay. And then the people are clapping, and he, like, turns to the crooks, he's like, now you tell him, you tell him I was, like, making jokes. I got a <laughs> reputation to uphold. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I forgot about that bit. That was well, that so was, good. That was like, if you're at the end of the book, that was like a hundred books ago because they do like three big stories in the first issue. That was one complaint I saw um, in like, you know, reviews and, and something that I had is like, 
we we build up to this great moment where he confronts carnage and we've built up to it and then he's like what i i either save my son or kill you well i'm gonna kill you bro and he does and then it's over (laughs) so So if you see it as a standalone story i think that takes away from it when you realize that this is still building up to the story of null coming to earth and that's what king in black is all about then it works and i choose to see it as a building block for the future as opposed to the standalone story because i'm excited it got it did its job it got me excited to read more i'm gonna you know gonna pick up new story i just really liked it guys i actually think it works as a standalone story Mm mm-hmm well, good. Because, um, like, it's it's about Eddie Brock, and I'm not a fan of Venom. I don't like Venom. Um, I don't hate Venom. I just don't have time for Venom most of the time. But he's good in this story. Like, I care about what Eddie Brock is going through because he's got this external stake, you know, his boy. Um He's got this sense of responsibility. He's got these darker impulses because he keep, people keep having to warn him, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill. Not that that is really an issue because he's outgunned most of the time anyway. Yeah. And then he makes this really relatable decision at the end where it's like, you want me to give up my son in order to save the world or at the very least have the end of the world not be my fault? He's like, no, I'm a parent. I'm going to do what a parent is supposed to do. I'm going to protect my boy. And he does. It's, it's, I like got really excited when I read that. <laughs> and you know that it's going to lead to worse stuff, which is why we're all going to watch Venom 2. Uh, or, you know, pick up the sequel. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not going to watch the movie. No, but I will read King in Black. Yes. I might actually go back and because I think apparently some of uh, War of the Realms played into this a little bit. I don't know that it was yeah. a whole lot, uh, but but it seems interesting though. It does. Anyway, yeah, this was a surprisingly good story. I was not optimistic again with this one either because of Maximum Carnage, <laughs> but oh man, so relieved. I, I think I think my biggest I don't know. Yeah, I, I am going to say this is my biggest complaint. I don't like how they draw Venom when he's not on Eddie. Uh, oh, where he's just like a like a blob. Yeah, where, where he's like a head. Yeah. And he has like... I don't know. It's It looks kind of goofy. Like his head... When he's not with it, like teeth. When he's just kind of yeah. like... Hmm, when he has like a, a hmm. normal human smile. He's got stretchy goop mouth. What is that? Oh, no, he looks like another character. Maybe it's just like the spot. There's like a like a lesser Spider-Man um, villain who's like the spot, and he's like black and white, and he throws spots on things, and it's like a, you know a portal to another place, and he can you know jump around like that, and he's really goofy looking. But when he's when he's got you know, he's got like a mask where his, you know, his eyes are blank, I think. And he kind of makes the same kind of face as, you know, Venom without Eddie, where it's just, it's just real goofy. Like, I, I want my Venom with like toothy. I want him like, you know, real, real scary looking. Tooth, toothless Venom kind of looks like the mask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of. So, I think, 
I think there's another character that is more similar, but the mask, like the comic book version of the mask, not the Jim Carrey version. Oh, dang it. Um, I thought I was going to say, I was like, oh, yeah, that part of the part of Maximum Carnage, or uh, 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 Absolute Carnage, when he goes, yes, sir, I'm Cuban Pete. I'm the king of the rumba. That song gets stuck in my head so much. When I play the maracas, I go, cheek, cheeky, boom, cheek, cheeky, boom. Take that. Matt, uh, John, I don't like that, that movie. That's the I, best part of that movie, though. John, that was really well done. We're gonna get copyrights. Uh, I'm not because of that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I like uh, was obsessed with that movie. Um, you know, because I was I was like the right age for you know that. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey between '94 and '96, like made like all of his movies. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, I freaking love the mask. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry, even not sorry at all. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, yeah, so like I just I wasn't a fan of that. I thought like, uh, that was one of the things that like legitimately like took me out of the book, and I was just like, I don't, I don't like this. I, I feel weird looking at this. Uh, take it back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when he's on Eddie, that's hey, that's Venom. But then when he's not on Eddie, that's when your mom tells you, no, we have Venom at home. <laughs> <laughs> It's that Kroger brand. You know, Freaking Malto Meal, Malto Meal Venom. Yes. Just, <laughs> this Venom's in a bag. It tastes the same. Does it? Does it? We get more for the same amount of money. It's a better deal. I'm six. I don't care. I don't understand economics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only six. I don't think most economists understand economics. No. <laughs> They're just philosophers, but instead of ideas, it's money. Are we, uh... Are we funny? Are we ready to rank? Oh, that was a different question. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know, Aldo? Do you really want to know? No, I don't. I I like the ignorance. (laughs) It's bliss. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of tie-in issues uh, for this. So so there's, like, a website I I like using called comicbookreadingorders.com. It it does what it it says. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like that because yeah. there are sometimes I have a question where I'm like, ah, oh, geez, what, what, like ten issues was I supposed to read? Because this one was like, hey, um, let's let's briefly mention every single time the symbiote has ever like, you know, walked by in a panel like in a Hitchcock movie. It's just like, oh, there he goes. It, it, it's all referenced here. Yeah. You know, I still don't know who his his. Uh, Oh, I guess they do mention her. Um, that and Wayne. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. didn't know who that was. Until... So so for the event itself, not like all the history leading up to it, we read five issues. There are 31 total issues. Wow. And con- considering that we that there's 26 issues we did not read, again, I just want to praise how well this was for being a condensed story. I also really appreciate that it gave you just enough information about what led up to this and kind of what's coming next to and still have it feel like a satisfying like arc in this big yeah. story. Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly, exactly what I want from a That comic. takes skill, I feel. Or maybe not even skill. I think that just takes like a certain amount of grit to be able to tell your boss, no, we're, we're going to make this good. And, and then that will make people want to read the rest of it. It doesn't have to be big. It's We're not going to have all the end. really good Spider-Man moments happen outside of the core book, Civil War. Oh, gosh. I love that this is a Venom story. Ugh. Yeah. I, yeah. I know I said this earlier. It's like, 
you think it's it's got Spider-Man. Spider-Man's the hero, right? We're gonna we're gonna have Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man kind of tries to be the central character, but this is Venom's story. Yeah. This is Eddie Brock's story, and it's a personal story. Yeah, there's all this big stuff going on, but it's a personal. I uh, this book was so. Good. I also I also so, so on that note about Spider-Man being like the hero, but not really. I like that he has this big fight with Norman Osborn, and he gets knocked out, and Norman Osborn just kind of disappears. Uh, I also love that they got stuck in that maximum security prison, and Venom's telling them that like he he closes the door right to protect them from carnage. And he's like, "We need to get out," and he's like, "I can't, you know, we can't figure out a way. We're locked in here. There's like three inches of concrete on every wall, blah blah blah." And Venom is like, "Don't be clever. Be strong." <laughs> Just the that was so good. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's a good moment. I'm I'm really looking through moment. I'm looking through to see other Donny Cates books, and they all look. Um, I don't know if like he has a deal with artists uh, doing really cool covers, but if you look, there are 120 on the app by Donny Cates, and they all look amazing. And I've only read a handful of them. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Now, okay, I'm gonna suggest this. There's. There's an issue of Doctor Strange where the cover <laughs> He's got be good. He's got it's Doctor Strange with a big axe. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so while John this recovers this is Doctor Strange 383, and it's the world tree, but it's, like, drawn like the giving tree, and Doctor Strange has a big old axe next to it. <laughs> it's just really yes. funny. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, I'm going to yeah. look through these and just drool some more, because there were some beautiful covers, so I'm assuming, you know, with his writing and, you know, talented art attached to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I also want to point out, like, does, does the cover for Absolute Carnage 2... That looks like an homage to like a classic Spidey cover. I'm like, am I, am, am I right on that? I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here because I think I, it looked familiar. It's the one where he's like swinging like towards like towards the audience and like I, I think just the posing and like the dynamics of that pose just really feels like an homage to an older we're, cover. Miles, it does look very classic Spider-Man. I don't. It almost looks like an old Todd McFarlane cover, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I don't know if it's a specific. I don't know if it's specifically an homage to, like, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, but it kind of looks like it. The the pose where his foot's all up, all crazy like that, like, that's definitely, like, a Spider-Man, like, swinging move. Like, that, yeah, I don't know of a specific, but I think yeah, there's something to that. Ah, I found it. It's, uh, it's, what issue is this? Uh, 301, Amazing Spider-Man, 301. Yeah, uh, that's early McFarlane, right? Yep. Yep, that is that is him. Uh, anyways, I'm happy I was able to talk this out with you guys and figure that out because uh, that would not let me right. sleep. Anyways, yeah, we could probably <laughs> move on to the ranking. And Bass? Yeah. Rankin I, Bass? I'm so glad that your brain went there because mine did too. I've been reading The Hobbits. I've been reading The Hobbit to my kids um, and they mostly pay attention. But in the back of my mind, I was like, they must never see that awful movie. <laughs> Frodo, Just, the nine oh fingers, and the ring of doom. I'm looking for Maximum Carnage on our list. Our current our list currently has 147 books on it. Maximum Carnage is number 115. 
I have no idea what a comparable book would be for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad as like a point of comparison to like because we I don't think we've read anything similar to it. Did we not read like another Disney book? I don't think we have. Like no, we've, we've done Star, Star Wars, Wars but we haven't done yeah, like we haven't done straight up Disney. I thought we did. I don't, I don't think there's that much straight up Disney under the Marvel umbrella. This stuff is the closest we get. Okay. I think. Unless I'm forgetting something. I don't think you are. I think I'm the wrong one here. I'm okay if we avoid, like, if we just skip the old, like, Scrooge McDuck comics if they ever get uploaded to the app. That, that We don't have to go there. Oh, those it's, are actually really good. There I is one that was, like, Inception. <laughs> oh, no. I just, I just want trouble. Right here in River City? With a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're not going to get a music band reference any, over anyways, the place. What do, what, do what do we think? <laughs> I can't even uh, say yeah, the phrase. Yeah, where does this go? Actually, should we um, rank Thunder Mountain first? Is that yeah, what Thunder Mountain. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Where does that go on this list? This is the most middle of the book that's ever middled a book. Yeah, because it's... Middle of the road, like, my bad. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. it's, you know, not bad. Um, I wouldn't mind rereading it, but I also, like, wouldn't rush out to reread it. I feel like we're coming down hard on it, because it was not bad. Um, Is it better than Demon in a Bottle? I'm a demon in a bottle, baby. I knew it. Gotta drink me the right way, honey. Yikes. For some reason, drink makes it dirtier. <laughs> Well, I was just trying to tie it back to, like, you know, make it more of a parody with Iron Man. Because if we're just singing Christina Aguilera, then we're just singing Christina Aguilera. You know, I just... I, uh... I would rather read Big Thunder Mountain Railroad than Demon in a Bottle, I think. Actually, this... I don't know. It's... It's not... It, yeah, this might be the right spot for it That's, somewhere around here. I just picked a book and I was like, how do I feel about this? <laughs> Man, this whole thing is like a mess, because I feel like I would rather read this than Earth X, but I don't think it's as good as What the Duck, mm-hmm. which is beneath Earth X. Um, okay, so so in terms of uh, not necessarily quality, but in terms of, I guess, quote-unquote, importance, uh, how do you think this compares to Aranya? <laughs> oh, um... I actually think this is better than Aranya. Okay. Aranya was kind of like, it could have done one thing and it didn't do anything. Um, I I was annoyed with Aranya. So I would put it above Aranya. I would put it above Mary Jane Homecoming, but that's me. Um, Oh, thanks for reminding me about that. No. Mm. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now I want to put it. I want to put it above Mary Jane Homecoming, but I also remember that the there's one line in our ninety sixth ranked story, which is the mutant who came to dinner. Men call me Magneto. Like the best, the best thing you can say when you walk into Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Still funny, um, but yeah, I would put it above. My my vote is above Mary Jane Homecoming. Mary Jane Homecoming is now the line of like John will read it again. John won't read it again. Man, this was better than Ultron Unlimited. Hmm. I don't know. It, it it goes high. I think this goes higher than that. Okay. Um, maybe not. Okay, tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to say it right, and we'll see if that's persuasive enough. I think this goes just below 
The Search for Eternity. There Sold. it is. Sold. <laughs> Sold because of your commitment, and that's where I was looking at anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be what? Uh, number 88. Well, it'll, pro- Demon- it'll be 89 soon. But 89. Yes. Yeah, because we're the yeah, because uh, absolute carnage is definitely going higher than this. Oh yeah, uh, potentially a lot higher. Uh, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, this really should be, you know, uh, getting cl- like even the even getting close to the top ten. Like, I I really enjoyed it, and so yeah, I don't know if it's top ten material. Well, the, I mean, um, I uh, he- heaven help you if you bumped Hawkeye down any further, but. <laughs> I don't think it's nearly like I don't think it's as think, good as Hawkeye. I, I would think to, I think definitely top four top forty. Uh, top forty. Um hey. maybe even top thirty, but or your dad's radio station. Yeah. <laughs> all Steely Dan all the time. I am leaning almost towards the top twenty because yeah. like I think this is on par with Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And because it, it's such a good event, you think event you're gonna have to you know put up with a lot of like oh I haven't seen you since this see the last issue I haven't seen you since oh see this last issue oh no it's one of these again see the you know you have to know some this was like and just have, really well done you have a Venom Hulk like how cool is that super cool and they keep mentioning the Grendel which i keep thinking is a different comic book but that's actually like an old book thing i think that's neat <laughs> so grendel comes from beowulf uh, which is you know classic his- like epic poem but also uh there was a comic book called grendel like i think it was uh judge dread adjacent hmm i i think that's just it's the dragon symbiote, or a dragon symbiote. Yeah, that, that's why they have apparently. the wings. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I don't think this... I don't think we can put this in, in good conscience above the coming of Galactus. I um, I also... I'm. This is where I go, ooh, because I really like Messiah Complex, obviously, and Man Without Fear is like a tentpole for Daredevil, and just, you know, solid work from Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. I, so I'm like, maybe not that, because um, this is just so new. Yeah, we definitely don't know if this has the legs that um, some of these other stories in this section of the list do, right? Yeah, I would put it um, at 20, though. I or guess, 21, okay. rather. But, okay, so let me counter that, though. Like, do we do we feel like New Dawn, the Silver Surfer story, has, like, quote-unquote, the legs that the other stories around it has. Because New Dawn is, like, surrounded right next to, like, the Death of Electra, Triumph and Torment, Coming of Galactus. And I feel like this is as good as New Dawn. If anything, I think it edges out New Dawn just a little bit because it's more of a complete arc. See, I like... I like this better than Marvel's. And would read this again before Coming of Galactus because Coming of Galactus is like a major point of history in Marvel Comics, sure. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty like, compared to this, it's pretty pretty straightforward. But there's a lot that goes on, and it's really well handled in um, um, 
Oh, uh, absolute carnage here. Yeah. I keep I just, almost saying maximum carnage, and I really don't want to make yeah. the. I love maximum carnage. No, you don't. <laughs> I just yeah. I mean, I mean, because we were talking about you know the staying power of these books, but you know, up here in the top twenty, or the you know the top ten to twenty, we have Dawn of X Prelude, which is a twenty nineteen book. Uh, we have Spider Man Life Story. Which is the 2019 book. New Dawn is the 2014. I don't necessarily think that we should be going by like, how do we think that this will like the legs? I guess. Uh, I f- yeah, staying power is not the only criteria. Yeah. No. So, which is to say, I don't think we should kind of out of the top 20 just yet. <laughs> hmm. Um, I I, I would be yeah. o- I would be okay with putting it at 19. I don't. Yeah, I, I kind of want... I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, I liked it. I did. And it's like... That's... That's no shade on Messiah Complex or the man... No, sure, you. fine. Uh, no, you guys aren't fans of Hope Summers. It's fine. I will say that this book is... Even with all of the nonsense, I believe this book is more approachable than uh, Messiah Complex. <gasps> what do you mean? You think that... You think that this very straightforward story with symbiotes and only one thing is is more approachable and more relatable than than forty years of convoluted um, retcons and your your father is younger than you in the present but you're from the future and you have an adopted daughter who is a mutant savior and 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 there's a and there's a, a Predator X that's made out of metal and eats people like yeah that's I just, don't even remember mm. that. What? Those are perfect eggs to eight people? And it's metal? like made out of it's like made out of adamantium or the same thing as Mercury's skin. What? She's one of the new X Men. Yeah, it's like hunting hope. It's like it loves to eat mutants and like she's the tastiest mutant because she's a brand spanking new baby. I don't know, man. That was in I, Messiah Complex? It was a big yes. book. I, that absolutely was in Messiah Complex. I feel Complex. like I would have remembered that, because that sounds awesome. You feel it like was. it, but you wouldn't. Mm. No, it's fine. Democracy can screw me once again. I'm getting used to it. Oh, John, please. You've had a real good run. It was time to knock you down a peg, buddy. Whatever. I'm only going to suggest crappy stuff from now on to not threaten the precious top ten. <laughs> Twenty. Dang it. Um, okay, so putting this at number 19 between you guys, Galactus and Messiah Complex. You guys are going to find some other anime-adjacent garbage that you're just going to fawn and fangirl over and going to put just like, no, we, we, will, we like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's good, but you know what's really good? Mm, this one about uh, Betty Brant or, or somebody and like, you know, how she draws hearts around her favorite celebrity crush or I don't even know what kind of crap goes on in anime. You guys are just, just whatever. Whatever. Take my, take my ball and go home. Last time I suggested anything anime-like was Galacta and I learned my lesson. Yeah, <laughs> as well you should. You're not should. doing that again. Yeesh. <laughs> Ugh, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> I like the implication that uh, Galactus was pregnant at some point. <laughs> I mean, I know he gets food babies because of the amount of time he's like, you know, 
Like, I, I really, like, I know that, you know, he, like, has this machine and consumes planet, but, like, I get a kick out of, like, him, like, busting up the biggest spoon of all time and just digging into a planet like it's a big cereal bowl. You know, that just, that tickles me. That's funny. I like the idea of him eating Earth like a, like a sandwich or a burger. <laughs> oh, man. That's even better. <laughs> Just grabs it. and every time he bites into it, like a little bit of the lava comes out, and he's like, "That's like the cheese," and he's oh like, gosh. "He's like, nope, nope, can't let the good stuff get away." Mm. <laughs> I I like the idea of the comics that we're going to read next time. What? Putting us back on track. What a buzzkill! How dare you? <laughs> so, like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we didn't give Shang Chi uh, a good shot when we tried to read a shang chi story when they announced the the big shang chi news yeah we we sh- um, we shanked chi pretty hard <laughs> oh wow that was not good um hey it, it's we shang chung's tonight that's what we did <laughs> more like more like you shamed me <laughs> anyway we've got a new opportunity to to get to know this character um with the uh, new series uh, from 2020, Shang-Chi uh, miniseries, written by Jean Luen Yang, who's real good. Real good writing job. Oh, man, I'm, I'm actually really excited to read this book. Um, and, uh, yeah, so to, we're going to couple that with another character that we haven't really explored a lot of. Um, another character that we've read something of but not probably their best showing. We're going to read some Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider adjacent. We're going to Ghost Racers Battle World, another uh, Secret Wars tie-in. Uh, we all really liked the Secret Wars event. I'm surprised we haven't read more of the tie-ins. So yeah. that'll be fun. fun I'm looking forward to that. Also, uh, Galactus is dead, and Thor uses his his helmet as the entryway to his throne room. Um. Comics are weird, yo. I every time I'm like I'm reading Ghost Racers and I'm like, is this like wacky races? Is there gonna be like Dick Dastardly and Little Muttley with a, a skull, like a little flaming skull, just doing his little Muttley laugh? That oh man, that gives me joy. I'm happy you're happy, buddy. <laughs> I don't acknowledge your BS, but I'm happy you're happy. That's so supportive, and I appreciate that, Aldo. (laughs) 